0: This is Reliability Road Rash.
1: Welcome to another episode of Reliability Road Rash. I'm your host, Larry Posh, and on this episode, we are continuing our series on having the courage to lead change and to think differently. This week, we have a very special guest, and I'm pretty much required by law to say that because she's my wife. Please welcome Tiffany Posh to the show.
0: Hi, how are you today?
1: Good. Welcome, Tiffany.
0: (laughs) Thank you.
1: I know what you're all thinking. is like, how cheesy is it that you have your own wife on a podcast? Well, I have to tell you, I think Tiffany has a really good story to share with us. She's been on a pretty exciting journey, and she has been a leading change for for quite a while, ever since I've known her. So I think we're going to dive right into it. So Tiffany, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where have you been and what have you done?
0: Well, I... Started off, I graduated college way back in the day and was a housewife and mother for about 13 years and then went into the workforce full time which was uh, quite a change because you you go from, you know, being home all the time to working full time and juggling three kids in your career. But it it transitioned very nicely. I had a wonderful opportunity to work for UPM Raffle Tech and I still hold very fond memories in my heart with all the things that I, I learned at that company.
1: Yeah, I'd like to dive into that topic a little bit further because this is a, a really, really cool project. It's a unique experience for anyone, but for a, a housewife to go into the field of reliability, maintenance reliability. But this was a unique project because this was a startup. I and mean, we're not talking just like some little mom and pop startup. We're talking like a full-blown operation building a mega facility, a nice, large, modern facility from the ground up. You actually started out working in construction trailers and seeing this we thing did. off from, yes, from much day one. So this is, it has its own unique challenges in itself. What what were some of the things that you went through starting up a new facility?
0: Uh, it was just so many different things we had to learn. And um, it's a, a finished company, as most of you probably know. So you had to work with a lot of foreigners that came over to work on the project. And we commonly called to the fi- Finnish trying to speak English as Finglish because you, you had this cultural language barrier at times, but we all got along fabulously. And, but you, you just, you learned about different cultures and how you have to sometimes adapt and change to make everything flow properly so the project could get completed on time.
1: Right, right. Absolutely understood. And also, uh, I know that not only did you have to learn one CMS system, you had to embrace two CMS systems for your job. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: For the most part, I started off working in SAP, you know, from literally from the trailers all the way up through when we migrated over into the actual facility and just progressed from entering simple requisitions and things to POs, and then we also had to learn Maximo because the maintenance department used Maximo as their system, and they would sometimes make purchase requests in Maximo, and then they'd have to be switched over to SAP, so we had to uh, be familiar with with both because they didn't always talk to each other nicely. Right,
1: right. So also you had to like really challenge yourself. You had to find some courage really fast because you were also involved in the back on track program, which was a a cost saving strategy for the company. You had to have probably some uncomfortable conversations with management and other team members. Can you dive into that?
0: Yeah, sometimes that didn't always go so well, (laughs) but at the end of the day, we all got along fine. Yeah. So I was tasked with trying to figure out the ways to save money, I you know, cut down on some of the canteen expenses, look at the uniform invoices and see if there's ways we can cut back on the uniform and the mat service. They would bring in the mats for the facility. Also traveling. I was tasked with trying to make sure that we were getting the best prices and still getting all of our people to the right destinations on time in the easiest way possible. So You sometimes had to have that conversation, like, are you sure you can't take a flight that's a half hour later? It'll save $200. And sometimes people didn't always like that. But at the end of the day, we were trying to get the bottom line down so that we could save money to save everyone's job. Right.
1: Right. And then you had to wear a lot of hats going up as the facility developed and matured. I know that you were working in the stores as a backup. You helped back up planning. Uh, you also helped with the front desk. You just had to have a lot of flexibility in your day-to-day activity. Which one of those hats were your favorite ones to wear?
0: Uh, probably filling in in the storeroom and getting to work a little bit more one-on-one with the maintenance guys. We we just got along really well, and I, I just think it gives you that little more person-to-person interaction. So that if at some point, you have to say, No, like we need to relook at those tools you're ordering or something. You, you just have more of a connection so that you're just not some person sitting in the corner office upstairs. And you know, you actually have a face and a personality to go along with
1: that. Right. Outstanding. Now, I remember a story. You definitely had to step outside your comfort zone. You and I were both up for the same job, we both <laughs> bid on a planning job i mean the best man won, obviously but obviously. kudos kudos to you for <laughs> stepping outside your comfort zone and trying to uh, go to the next level and get that planner position that was, was really outstanding and and truth be told you were so close to getting that position so i mean
0: well we both know the best man won. you had <laughs> actually you had the more technical experience they uh they did do a little tweaking with that job role and it you definitively fit into that role a lot better i will totally admit but <laughs> you know you do have to challenge yourself and you know sometimes go after that job that you don't think you are completely qualified for because sometimes it's not if you have the present qualifications do you have the ability to learn that job and perform well at it can you perform that function can you be taught can someone mold you into that role and I think I could have gotten there, but you you definitely had the
1: qualities up front. So. Oh, I appreciate it, but the competition was was fierce, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and a lot of that, too, you're right about how you uh, share your knowledge, and a lot of it goes to how you express yourself and how you hold yourself and how you conduct yourself. And, and I have another story to share. I can remember we were both out in North Carolina doing training out there for uh, two, different, two different reasons. We were within two different areas. I was out on the shop floor. I was working with the maintenance guys, and they were telling me, "Hey, your your boss is here," and I was like, "No, I didn't know my boss was coming." And they're like, "Yeah, uh, she's she looks like she's a really decent person. has a smile on her face, uh, smoking red hot redhead." <laughs> and I was like, "I I don't know what you're talking about." What? And then they come to find out that it was you that was out there. And I've always preached this. I've always I've always said that when you go into an organization, and if you see people with their heads hung low and frowning and their shoulders shrug and stuff. It, it, it does not send a good signal, but when you walk into a place with a, with a smile and you're held head high, people take notice, people take notice of you. And they definitely took notice of, of you down there. um, They really thought that you were somebody, not that you weren't because you were, but they, they thought that you were uh, some manager or supervisor in the area and you were there to do your training. So I I love, I, I love that story
0: that kind of cracks me up because we should preface this with the fact that at that time we were not together. We had not, we were not dating. We weren't married also. So, and I didn't honestly know who you even were. So. <laughs> um, but it, it's funny that you should say that because I can remember that very first trip to North Carolina and inside I was scared. You're like, you're going on this first major business trip of your life. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very important that I perform well and it's great to hear that other people could see that confidence even though inside I didn't feel that so that's where it's very important to even if you have those feelings of anxiety or you're a little stressed out still go ahead and put forth that confidence you know show the world that you know like I can do this even though you think you may be faltering but if you can show that confidence here you're halfway home right there
1: or more importantly show yourself that you can do this very
0: and, true yeah awesome very true.
1: that's good stuff so going forward a few years and this one this is another opportunity that you did that I, i'm really really proud of and you should be too as uh you stepped up and uh helped out by being a planner assistant in a large and a large uh, paper mill can you tell us a little bit about that
0: oh yeah so that was after we moved to good old wisconsin okay <laughs> yeah that was it was a very interesting role so i i started off just uh helping out the planners, and my main job was to get all of these, quote, stashes that they had around the mill and in the storage well, facility. The stock, to stock get,
1: piles. that are underneath yes, the stairwells. The, little, the, all the all secret this. stashes yeah.
0: of, of electricians and maintenance guys. The, the plan was is to get everything properly marked with a material number and then sent back to the store room so it could be inventoried and then all mills would be able to draw from this storeroom and know that the parts were there instead of having it stuck under a, you know, a desk or a chair or, you know, in a corner somewhere that nobody even knew it existed.
1: Right. And this is something that um, I bring to a lot of, of clients that we talk about because it seems like the planning resources are, are, are taxed or they don't have the money to buy it, bring on more planners or whatever the case may be. But this is uh, something that I wanted to pilot for years, and it's always been successful. Is to put somebody in the planner assistant role so they necessarily don't need to be a full certified, qualified planner per se, but there's no. a lot of admin jobs and, and putting packets together and things like that. So the planner can actually go out the field and walk down jobs. It just frees up so much time for the planners to do quality planning. And then uh, the planner assistant takes on some of the other more well, admin.
0: More admin right. So then I'm, you know, and when the material numbers would come back, I would. I would add them to the bomb and then make sure the bomb was in the proper order that it should be in and just doing those little things that sometimes get missed because people are so rushed and they're so pressed for time. So if you can have someone that's trained to do it and if that's all you're doing, you get very good at it and you can do it quite quickly. And, and then you can also help out with, you know, the purchasing of parts and making sure things get to the right account and. Right. Such so well, obviously did a very good up.
1: job because a lot of people took notice, and you were eventually offered a job at the corporate level as a master data analyst. So that I mean, you <laughs>
0: that that was interesting because then you go on the the flip side. So I went from actually submitting materials to get the number to being the last person that approved the actual number and made it become into existence. So it it was quite interesting. So you went from being on one end to the complete opposite. But what I found most interesting is that, I, and I think you dealt with some of this, where it took you so long to get material
1: numbers. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, I, as a planner or helping with planning, you submit a MRT material request and months would go by and I'm thinking everything's good to go. And all of a sudden I would get an email or, or some saying that I didn't have all the required information or if there was details missing a lot of it, a lot of times it came down to the special characteristics from the manufacturer that they will not release, you know, to the general public. So a a print number or or something like that. But once you took the role, uh, you really sped up that process. As a matter of fact, I will tell you that I was out on a completely different job. I received a couple of phone calls and they were saying, hey, what did you teach her? Because these MRTs, these requests are are flying through, we're getting stuff done here. It's like, I, I didn't teach her anything. This is this is her own doing. This is her own process. So you definitely introduced some new ways of thinking and helped the process improve a great deal.
0: Well, and some of it, uh, you know, maybe upper management might not agree. But what I did to kind of speed the process, there were certain vendors that you you weren't going to get these characteristics, and so it was like you, I would accept what I could, and then we would circle back when the part actually came in. And then you could take the measurements, blah blah blah, and add to the material number at that time. But the important thing is is to actually get that material number to the the planners and to the maintenance people so that they can they can use it and they can order their materials properly so that things can get into the storeroom system. And you know, it just makes the whole process easier when you actually have that material number. So in order to do that, sometimes you just kind of accepted that you're not going to get every characteristic, but let's get the most we can. And and then I also, instead of rejecting everything, sometimes I would just reach out to the, the person that submitted the request and said, hey, is there any way you can get this? Or, you know, just do a quick Internet search. There, You don't know how many times I found extra information just doing a one-minute Internet search. And then I some people would call it enabling, but at the end of the day, I prefer to Think of it as more as being helpful, doing your job, instead of rejecting every single thing for the minute detail, right. help them out. Like we're supposed to be working together. Help those maintenance guys out. They just want their number.
1: I think I think you brought a lot of the table and you hit on some really key points there. So one, don't waste time chasing perfection all the time, right? I mean, you can Correct. do the best you can, Correct. see what sticks and, and, and learn from it and build from it and, and build. it'll get better as you, as you go along on uh, the second thing you mentioned was hugely important there's the communication piece right so reaching out and and having a conversation whether it be email or a phone call or whatever the case may be so these guys know that you're working on it that you're trying to do something and you're trying to work with them right and i think the last piece of this is that you built a relationship and it was a good relationship you you worked really well with the teams the relationship the relationship portion of it's hugely important they knew that you can walk the walk. You could talk the talk. They know that you lived it. So they bought into what you were trying to sell. Well, and
0: I think that helped too, because I had over 25 years helping in my father's small family owned construction business. So, I mean, I always worked, used to kind of quote working with the guys and you learn to build that rapport and that communication with them. And, and I think that just with the experiences through the years, helps you to relate more to them. You're like, they're just trying to get their job done. Well, like, no. why Why am I holding up the process?
1: I think you also uh, picked up on uh, to have a potty mouth by working with all those no. construction guys <laughs> all the years. All the,
0: uh... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: Tiffany, this is a great story, and it's a great journey. You have a lot to be proud of. Appreciate you sharing your story with us here today. If somebody wants to reach out to you and, and learn more about you or or reach out to you for some for some assistance, how how can they get a hold of you? Well
0: probably the best way is go to LinkedIn. It <laughs> is Tiffany Pash and, and LinkedIn. And I'd be happy to answer anyone's questions that well, they may have.
1: We appreciate your time. We appreciate uh, everything you do for the maintenance and reliability industry, and we certainly appreciate everything that you do for us around the home so hopefully in uh, down the road you can sit down and talk to us again about some of your other experiences and journey because you have a lot to share with people thank you you're welcome thank you for listening remember to follow us on facebook connect with us on linkedin or you can check us out at www.nexusglobal.com thank you for tuning
0: into reliability road rash